The future belongs to those who control the culture, and the culture belongs to those who control the conversation. So we are having the conversations you wish you could have at church to build a safe and vibrant community. This is the Oz Table Talk podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Oz Table Talk. My name's Luke. I'm at the table with Ore and Dave. Hey, sounds hey. weird only having a couple of us. I know, mm. I know. It, I was just thinking before that it's, I think this is the first time we've had like three, three people, is it? Or are we might have oh, done three? For a little while. As in like since we started video. Oh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Interesting dynamic. Yeah. I, I just noticed it was a lot easier to set up the cameras because there's one camera per person. Yeah. So. <laughs> which is, which is bad. Which is bad. Yeah. I mean, that's why I'm giving you so much eye contact, Ori. Because <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to acknowledge the fact that there's a camera. <laughs> well, it's less forwards, awkward staring at him in the eyes, which says something. <laughs> yeah. <Wow. laughs> oh, boy. Don't take it the wrong way, guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they love you. They just don't love you looking at them. So. <laughs> uh, well. How um, are you going? Me? Uh, yeah, I, you. I am doing fairly well. So, just been busy. Um Getting the room finished and into shape, so yeah. it's been it's been a good week. So good. Somebody comment on the lamp behind. Well, it depends on which angle you're looking from, I suppose. Yeah, okay. That this, lamp. This lamp, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then for everyone listening on the podcast, they're gonna be like, "How am I supposed Why to?" Why are we talking about a lamp? Yeah. yeah. If you're on the podcast, go and look at the the YouTube channel. <laughs> Wait, uh, is this gonna be released there though? It should be. Yes. Oh, what? Oh, Why not? He, he's sneaky. Why not? I didn't think we were ready for that yet. Oh, well, I thought this was like yeah, well, uh, that, early doors, mate. We agreed that we would have like we test agreed. recording. We agreed, he says. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, all right, I anyway. promise you can see it before it goes out. How's that, Dave? Let's just say it looks good, Luke. You've yeah. done a good job with the room. <laughs> I'm going to ignore everything else and just yeah. comment on the room. Right. Okay. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> we'll have pictures on the wall soon. It's going to be like a right little recording studio. Mm. We're getting there. Yeah. Yeah. So, What about you? How's your week? Yeah, look, my week's been uh, a big one, mm. but it's mm. it's over. So, as in, not the week's over, but my my term's over. So, welcome back to sanity. Yeah, <laughs> I know. We actually get all of you when we have you. So, yeah, well, not not tonight. Yeah. <laughs> not tonight because I'm still living on very little sleep. But, yeah, um, yeah soon. Mm. Soon and very soon. Do you know what was really bad? I went to sleep early the other night thinking, yeah, I'll just, I'll just go to bed a bit earlier, get some good rest before my exam. Yeah. And then we had this massive storm that lasted for like three hours oh. and I couldn't get to sleep until like two o'clock in the morning. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. always the way. Yeah. I, I generally find that the nights that I, that I go, oh, I'm going to get that early night now, I'm going to get the early night. And uh, I, I guess this is a, not a problem that necessarily applies to everybody, but usually it's sort of like I'll finish the day and go in and talk to Sarah and all of a sudden it's like, oh, hey, we haven't discussed this. And <laughs> yeah, then it's like, it's gone. It's 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 dead in the water at that point. There's no point going to bed anytime soon. So. Yeah. <laughs> and that's nothing bad about her because I'm just as guilty. But uh, <laughs> as soon as we start yeah, talking, yeah. it's like it's all... But you guys have got kids, so that's your time to talk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, so that's good. What about you, Ori? How's your week been? Yeah, my week's been interesting. Uh, it's been challenging it's been all of the above yeah i'm just glad to be here though yeah and, uh, yeah just to it's good to see you share some nice thoughts yeah <laughs> it's good i'm glad your thoughts are nice Well, <laughs> 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 speaking collectively <laughs> uh well um before we get to the topic let's uh let's do our icebreaker question which was what was your favorite subject in school 
<laughs> so let, let, let's. Who start. do we want to go to first? The, I reckon we should the boring start. end or the. <laughs> I think we should start somewhere predictable. So. <laughs> All right. What, what do you? What do you? What's yours? Oh, uh, I liked a few subjects. Like in, in primary school, I enjoyed physical education because mm-hmm. it was just like I think yeah, kids yeah, do, right? I don't. Yeah. I don't have to be you know stuck in a room you know yeah. constantly. Cricket. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cricket. Oh, it was a bit of basketball at the time. Oh yeah. Um, footy. Of Australian rules football. <laughs> what you <Yeah>. call footy? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was that was a jam, you know. Yeah. yeah, school was like at that time was just a time to catch up with your mates, kind yeah. of thing. So yeah. that was like the op- ultimate opportunity to do that is to play sport together. Yeah, I mean, basically, he's saying I never grew up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, and then in high school, I really enjoyed calculus and physics. Yeah, it's, it's a tight core between the two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought they were they were very interesting. I, a lot, lot, very stimulating put it that way yeah. <laughs> that, that's one way to put it <laughs> <laughs> wow so you said that you never grew up Dave can, can you give me some clarity oh, about what that meant so I mean what he enjoyed about primary school I enjoyed about all school yeah <laughs> so my favourite subjects in high school were probably um, de- well definitely PE and then the other two that I enjoyed were woodwork and metalwork and mm. I was just a very practical kid you know yeah I didn't didn't want to be in the classroom. Get me out of the classroom. Get me building something or playing something, and I was right. Mm. And um, you're such an abstract thinker now. It's it's so funny to think that that's not always been the case. Yeah, I think boys grow up a little later. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I matured until my twenties. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, look, I I guess um, I guess in school I was focused on different things. You know, mm. I I probably could have done well in physics and calculus, but. I I was just not really into that. It wasn't cool in my school to be smart, um, and so well, at least not with the people I hung with. Mm. So I just did what they liked, really, which is a bit disappointing. But hey, look, mm. there's redemption. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cool. Well, for, for me, it was went like earlier in school, so like primary and like maybe. Um, you know, early years of high school, definitely ancient history. Uh, mm. I I regularly like aced those kind of exams loved it the only the only weak point that i had was i didn't remember dates exceptionally well i struggled with remembering dates but as far as like a love for the subject that was definitely you, it. you studied ancient history in primary school oh well i when i say early years of high school like i always liked history and that and that sort of thing yeah. and learning that but okay. so i don't really remember okay so it was maybe more history in a general sense in general primary school. general sense of history okay. and then as i got into high school yeah, i was gonna history. say man yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i don't remember it's a long time ago man all these things blur together <laughs> it comes I'm, to think of i'm it. not gonna comment on that <laughs> I, I enjoyed i don't know about you but like have you a desire for history kind of like in terms of the type of history you like kind of did that change Yes. Of your schooling kind yes. of experience? 100%. Mm. I loved, oh, like, I was only really interested in the ancient history, you know, like what had, like Egyptian history and those sort of things. But I really actually had an active dislike for modern history, mm. you know, like World War II, World War I. Like, I just didn't enjoy learning about those things. Uh, I have no idea why. I don't even have a reason for that. But uh, yeah, then as I got older, I developed appreciation for yeah other avenues of history too. So yeah, interesting. The same was it the same for you? Yeah, I can relate to that because yeah. I I remember distinctly like in primary school, I'd go to the library and there was this amazing like kind of what would say a textbook, but this like very um, a comprehensive book mm. on and it will just span all of 
kind of like ancient history and then it'll make its way towards kind of like the modern history and i would just like troll hours like literally my yeah. recess time would be like oh man I, i've got to read that book again like it was it was that cool that's so cool <laughs> yeah. yeah it just it just like it was just so interesting you know yeah. just seeing like man this is how people lived back then yeah dang yeah. that's that is crazy <laughs> why does this seem to surprise you so much Dave? <laughs> no it doesn't surprise me it just uh, my head hurts <laughs> in you yeah, anyway yeah what so, I, yeah, was, I was always outside. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't busting to get to that book, were you? No. no. <laughs> so. But yeah, anyway, in later high school, I, I guess I narrowed down more to where I was going in life. And so mm. business studies was really fascinating to me. So I, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> you thought he was predictable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, I'll, I'll take that. Uh, he, but did, yeah. he didn't even say biology. Mm. <laughs> but you know what the interesting thing is? As much as I was into it i really don't feel i understood business properly until i was probably 24 25 and having said that from like the ages of when did you start your business oh 19 17 17 18 ish around that Uh, but I actually, it all happened because of a podcast. I listened to a podcast that was talking about starting businesses and whatever. And it was the first time that I ever, uh, Wait, that was when you were 19. No, about 24. 24. Yeah. Did podcast. Yeah. I was going to say there was podcasts back then. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Was that a thing? Yeah. You do realize that podcasting was invented in about 2003. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Guys, I learned something new. <laughs> yeah, well, it did. Um, and it, it started out, They initially they invented the... It wasn't in the, the ancient history book that he was reading. So <laughs> didn't right, it, wasn't, it. it wasn't far enough back. So yeah, it. Uh, but no, they invented the technology itself and no one knew what to do with it. They're like, mm. why would you want to distribute audio like that? Like, that's such a strange thing. Mm. Uh, yeah, there was this guy that, that said, well, hang on a second. What if we did it like on-demand radio? What if that was the sort of the model that we used it for and they sort of labored away in dungeons for a couple of years and then it hit mainstream with a couple of big name shows and yeah off off to the races so yeah wow anyway that here endeth that particular history lesson so So, wow anyway i I feel like we got really derailed in there somewhere but um it's all right mate yeah let's get to the actual topic for tonight which we were talking about this and dave this was your idea do you want to sort of give it a give it a overview sure mate um so i've been working through one of the hymns from the songbook we use at our church the song is called give me the bible uh probably many of you are familiar with it um and just been writing up a, a sabbath school lesson for the kids in my class um and just some of the words just really struck me uh, this morning. So, um, in I just realized if any of them listen to this, it might come out before they get anywhere. Um, so, mm, the probably not, probably not yeah. yeah. <laughs> the uh, the Sabbath school, uh, sorry, the, the song says, uh, Give me the precious words of Jesus spoken, hold up faith's lamp to show my savior near. And um, I was just writing in the lesson about how uh, God's word has always been, you know, a, a mechanism by which he has he's sought to get close to us, right? Uh, he's, he's used different ways to communicate over the years, whether it be the prophets, 
uh, or people like uh, even, you know, teachers like Moses, um, even the judges back in the day. Uh, you know, he went as so far as to use a donkey at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, God, God was seeking to convey his message through different mechanisms, right? And each of those mechanisms were in themselves were good and were useful. Uh, but it wasn't until we get to Jesus that the the proximity of the message, I suppose you could say, you know, really took on like a sense of I don't know whether you want to say urgency or or just like it became real when mm. when God became a man and came and communicated to us in a way that we understood. Mm. And I really like how the Book of Hebrews starts, and it says in the in the King James version, it's kind of a bit poetic. So I might quote it from there. It says God in in sun. Uh, Wait. All in sundry? No, no, no. God in... Uh, oh, damn. I can't remember. Anyway, it said basically it talks about how that uh, in the days gone by, God has communicated to us in various ways and he names a few of those ways. And then he says, but then he sent his son who was to be the express image of his person. Um, and so when we when we get this revelation of Jesus, there's just this clarity around what God's word was all about all of that time, right? Because we see it in Christ lived out. This is what God was trying to communicate to us, right? And, and the song says that these precious words that Jesus spoke, uh, they hold some significance to us. And then if we hold up faith's lamp, you know, the light that we that we can illuminate our situations with through faith, uh, what it will reveal is the nearness of Jesus, mm. right? The proximity of our Savior who is right here with us, no matter what the struggle. You know, it's been talking in the verse about how, you know, we can be going through storms and trials in our life. And then it says, but then there's these precious words of Jesus that come to us for such a time as that. Mm. And then if we just hold up face lamp, we'll just see that he's right there with us. Mm. Um, anyway, it got me thinking, like, wouldn't it be cool to explore the precious words of Jesus spoken, mm. right? So to just, just scan through the, the Gospels and just... Just take out only the red letters, right? Mm. Only the yeah. stuff Jesus said and just condense that down and, and try to gain, like I guess you could say, some sort of a, a fluent message from what Jesus said mm. in those those words. Yeah. Um, so I thought, you know, we're not obviously not going to go through four Gospels. Yes, we're going to read every single word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not going to do that. <laughs> um yeah, but I thought well, it would be cool to, to sort of go through that exercise and just to, to grab some highlights, kind of like a highlight reel of the Gospels, um, your favorite words of Jesus spoken tonight. Mm-hmm. So there's three of us. Uh, we're going to sort of scan through the Gospels and just bring out some highlights. Um, and, you know, I feel like we might start chronologically and then we'll just probably, the train will be derailed very quickly. Um, but why don't, we, why don't we try and start chronologically and see how that goes? <laughs> Sounds like a plan. <laughs> So I might start us off in Luke chapter, I think it's uh, three. Let me just go there. It might be two. Uh, Luke chapter two. Um, the the first quotation from the young Jesus, the twelve year old Jesus, right? Uh, Mary and Joseph have gone down to the temple. They've gone down there to worship with with every other Jew on the planet, it seems. And they've gone to the temple and they've they've lost him. Right? He's mm. I don't know where he is. They've yeah. forgotten about him entirely, in fact, and they've started walking home. You had one job. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. He's keep, only the Messiah. Yeah, keep the Messiah with you. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, and so they finally realize and they head back. And uh, it's three days later. And Jesus, uh, when he's confronted by his parents, he's like, why have you been looking for me? <laughs> What's wrong with you guys? And he, his first words to them, apart from that, were, uh, didn't you know that I would be about my father's business? Hmm. 
And it's really interesting, hey, that the first thing that Jesus is recorded as saying is, my mission's clear, guys. Why were you even looking for me? That's pretty incredible. I I mean, as we just uh, said, all of us, when we were 12, apart from you and your history, we were just content with PE, right? We just wanted to be outside, running around, playing games. Jesus is 12. He's like, just leave me at the temple, mum and dad. Mm. I'll be right. (laughs) It is crazy to think about because it is, well, as you say, it's it's certainly atypical, but it is also, even the way he phrases it, it is sort of foreshadowing where he's headed in, in other ways. You know, even the fact that he frames it as a question, he actually has a degree of surprise that they weren't cool with this. Yeah, And I, I find I find that interesting, but both because, one, he, he was so aware of his, his mission, but secondarily that he was already thinking in that very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Purposeful. Yeah, purposeful. But, but like even though in his communication, he was asking asking the questions like, Did, didn't you know? Like, mm. And that's the way he he approached any kind of rebuttal even later in his ministry. Yeah. You know, he would ask the question, well, didn't you know this or didn't you know that? It was obviously a trend in his communication style asking those questions from when he was quite young. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite insightful because um, there isn't a lot written about Jesus's in the childhood experience. Mm. And I've always kind of yearned to kind of imagine what that would have been like, you know, what what his experience was as a child. Mm. Like especially, you know, for people who have children and well and, and even people who are who are children who are growing up trying to navigate, you know, a challenging world. Like how how does, you know, it be good to kind of get an example of what living that stage of life is like. Mm. Yeah. And kind of like from that statement, like you kind of get a, a sense of Jesus was very purposeful. He, was very, he had a direction. He was very confident. But he was, yeah, he was really, um, he was a man on a mission. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I think, um, you know, many kids, these days, like you said, you know, they're too busy wanting to, you know, play around. And there's nothing wrong with that, you know, no, of course. So that's being, being a child. Yeah. But I think too many times, I think there's so much distraction in our world where, you know, people are focused on Fortnite and, mm. you know, video games and, yeah. you know, at least like do something productive, you know, yeah. like do something that is actually going to help you grow. Yeah. And here we find Jesus in the temple. Confounding the religious leaders. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, dang. Like yeah. that's, that's yeah, well, next level stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. like, I'm not necessarily saying that we necessarily have to be doing that, but yeah. I think we should at least, yeah. um, I guess, be better u- users of our time. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Mm-hmm. And just to follow along that train of thought, I think the next thing we encounter Jesus doing is getting baptized mm-hmm. um, in the Gospels. Mm-hmm. And John is kind of resistant to the idea at first, right? He's mm-hmm. like, I shouldn't be baptizing you. You should be baptizing me. Yeah. And Jesus responds to that by saying, no, please, please do it as an example, right? Yeah. So again, there's purpose, right? He's like, he intentionally seeks out John the Baptist to be baptized for the future because in the present he knows he doesn't really need it doesn't need it yeah uh, but he's doing it for the future right so there's this very like there's this very external perspective going on in jesus ministry and in jesus life where he's he's not getting caught up with the the present context uh entirely he's looking forward he's he's always working toward that end goal right that business that the father sent him for Mm. Um, which is really interesting. But and then after that, he goes into the wilderness, right? He he goes to be be tempted by and in that 
basically all of it is just quoting, right? He's yeah. quoting the Old Testament. Yeah. So you know, from that, we can learn his uh, level of understanding of, of the scriptures because so, he's obviously quoting it. Um, but also, you know, when you are in those, when, when he was in those circumstances, the very best thing that he could do was to reach back for scripture, mm. not to, even though he was the Messiah, he could have argued in his own strength, you, you could say, but he didn't. He just still chose to use scripture to um, deal with Satan in those temptations. Yeah. Mm. And it's also interesting that he was the fulfillment of the very scriptures that he was quoting you know, most of the time. Like mm. the Old Testament was largely a book designed to point to him. Yeah. And then he comes and he, he quotes those scriptures um, with confidence knowing that those scriptures are being fulfilled in that very moment. Mm. And I think there's there's something in that for us as well. You know, the, the promises of God, it, Paul says in Corinthians what, 1 or 2, I can't remember, early on. I can't remember the the might be chapter... One, maybe, of First Corinthians, I think. Anyway, he says that Jesus is the yes and the amen of all the promises of God. Um, so what we can, what we can uh, deduce from that is that in, in Christ, we can have the kind of confidence in the fulfillment of God's promises that he had. When he, was, when he was being the very fulfillment of those promises, which I just think is incredible. Is it chapter 1? I feel like it is, and like verse twelve is what was jumping out in my head. That's what I just wanted to, to check, but it, it's not verse twelve, so it could be around that somewhere. But it doesn't matter. Anywho, it is there it is, somewhere. It is trust us. It is Corinthians. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I think it's also interesting, Luke. After the temptation, this is when Jesus arrives back. Mm-hmm. Um. Maybe you were heading there. I don't know, but um. I was going to bridge them together because he's essentially he goes to quoting again, right? Like when he does return, and I hope I'm not jumping on top of what you were saying, but uh, basically the very first teaching that he does was quoting from Isaiah. So yeah. he's returning to that same model. So you can go yeah. for it. No, thank you. Yeah. That's fine. That's mm. what I was going to say. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I love, again, the clarity with which he says, you know, and, and like, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but do you, would you feel comfortable to make the kind of claim that Jesus was making here? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to poor to send, uh, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recover his sight to the blind, to set liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That's a massive claim, not only to say that that was speaking of you, but but also to say you're going to do those things. Like That is massive. Can you just... And that's his first public statement. <laughs> I know, and for the rest of the rest of his ministry, he's well. People are finding it difficult to get him to say clearly what he's doing and why. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> guys, I already said it. You yeah, missed the boat. <laughs> yeah, been there, done that. Let's move on. But I, I put this in today's because I'm, we read this and we think, oh, it's okay because he's holy, right? Like it, it, this is fine. This makes sense. It sounds totally totally natural. But you think about that. If not, you said, you know, how would you feel saying that? Obviously, the answer is we wouldn't feel comfortable saying that. But can you imagine going to church this week and somebody going, oh, "Excuse me, mm. <laughs> I, I'll read that," and saying that? Can you imagine the the sense of like you're either going to believe them and think that they are the Messiah, or you're going to think this person's crazy and you probably yeah. should kick them out because he's about to start, you know, 
doing something. I don't know. But <laughs> like, <laughs> every example that came to mind is probably not fit to share. So yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and keep in mind, he's speaking to his own, I guess, his own relatives, if you like, or his like his yeah, his like these, hometown. Like, uh, uh, yeah, his hometown. Yeah. Like he's he's like the the hometown boy. He's coming mm. down. To, That's know, a he, legit thing. Yeah, yeah, like he's he's coming down, and like you can imagine, like the proud, you know, eyes of his mother watching him, you know, preach, you know, as <laughs> yeah. a as an elder of the church at that day, reading the verse of the yeah. of scripture of the day, and here he just drops these bombshells. Yeah, and they didn't respond well to that because <laughs> no, I think you no, know, there's something about when you're when people they kind of know like where you've come from and they're, they're accustomed mm. to what, what you are or your background. Yeah. It's, it becomes really, I guess, unpalatable to think that, to, to make that leap yeah. that you are who you? Who, who you claim to be kind yeah. of thing. It's like, yeah. I always found it easier are? preaching where I'm not like, at, <laughs> not at my home church. Always easier. <laughs> yeah, I can relate. So I'm going to sort of move us along a little yeah, bit, guys, if that's that. okay. In Matthew chapter five, the chronology is a little bit messy in my head as to, to where it goes from Luke 4. Yeah. I, I feel like there might be some other stuff in it's there, gapping, but yeah. Matthew 5 seems like a good place to sort of highlight. Um, I'm not going to read the entire Sermon on the Mount, uh, thankfully, but uh, verse 3, I think, is kind of like, you know, he started there and he could just as well have finished there, I think, mm-hmm. when he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Because um, it was really setting the tone there. I mean, the the Jews would have had to pick up their jaws after that statement for one, uh, because that was just so anti everything they had ever taught and believed. Um, but yeah, the, the 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 quality of of thought here from Jesus the, to recognise that that what the people. Uh, what the people perceive about God is that that God, you know, only blesses those that are that are in great shape, and He only accepts those that are doing well. And yet Jesus comes in and He's like, "The kingdom of heaven, guys, it belongs to those who are poor in spirit. You know, those who who consider themselves too weak to possess it, those who mm-hmm. consider themselves not good enough, unworthy, those who consider themselves to be too broken for that place." Mm-hmm. Jesus says, "That's who it belongs to." That's who it belongs to. What a what a way to kick off your ministry, eh? Oh yeah. You know, I've come to deliver the the brokenhearted, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, mm-hmm. because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> it must have been such a breath of fresh air just hearing that. Yeah. You know, here you are. You're just yeah. a lowly peasant, or you know, you're not you're not anyone anybody. Yeah. And here, you someone this incredible, overwhelming figure says like this this is made for you yeah like it's and what does that do for that person's self-worth you know like i guess i've grown up knowing that god was there and god loved me so like i ha- i don't have a point of reference really for understanding what it would be like to believe that well i'm poor and i'm suffering mm. and so therefore i must be out of favor with god and i was born that way i grew up that way and i am that way and so you would be feeling like you personally have lost value. Mm. Whereas if you believe that Jesus not only loves you, but he came and preached and did all those things specifically with you in mind, you are the one that is the beneficiary of that. Mm. You know, your sense of self-worth is going to be completely different. Mm. That's a huge deal. Mm. And then of course, how will, how will that then change the way that person executes their life? How will they carry themselves? How will they, you know, how much, Abuse will they tolerate? You know, they're going to say, no, well, you know, I am a child of the king. I have a capacity for greater than what I have now. I have value. I have purpose. And Mm. you don't have any of that if you have the theology that says, I am not worth anything because God is obviously not with me because I'm suffering in these ways. Mm. 
the other thing that I was just noticing um, as you go through, and I'm, I'm back in Luke, uh, but I'm just going through Luke chapter 7 and chapter 8. Uh, there's a number of different events there, but also a lot of parables. The parable of the sower, uh, he explains the purpose of the parables. And the as you go through and you read those those uh, I guess the public teaching of Jesus the majority not all of it but the majority of it was parable based and so the words of Jesus you could say uh, focused around him being a storyteller yeah specifically though all of the stories mm. were about one subject right yeah the kingdom of heaven mm. yeah so yes he was a storyteller but he had a specific message mm. which I think is linked to that you know didn't you know that I'd be about my father's business. Mm. Yeah, there's obviously something, I'm sure we'll unpack this, but there's obviously something there about the kingdom of heaven, right? Mm. The kingdom of heaven belongs to the poor in spirit. Yeah. Let me tell you some stories about that. Mm. Yeah. And so many of the parables are that, right? You know, you've got the lost son, mm. you know, he comes home, yep. dad accepts and receives mm. him, you know, the lost sheep, lost sheep lost brought coin. home. Yeah. Um, you've got the, the parables of, of the pearl and the treasure. You've got, give me some more. Um, the, lost coin. Yep. The, the wheat and the tears, the... Oh, is that a kingdom kingdom parable? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I was thinking poor in spirit particularly. Though. Oh, poor in spirit, sorry. Yeah, I was trying to find that in the week. Sorry, sorry. It's probably I'll, there somewhere. You said show me more and I thought you were th- talking about parable, kingdom parables. I yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the guy with the, the wedding garment. Yes. Um, the, the vineyard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's so many parables that Jesus told mm-hmm. where... He's basically his message is the kingdom of heaven belongs to those whom you least expect, hmm. which is yeah. Yeah, great. Hey, before we skip on too much further though, I mm-hmm. uh, just a couple of other things from the Sermon on the Mount that I just wanted to, to bring up. Just, just while you go there, can I just say something about about the parables? Yeah, yeah. Um, just one thing that was I thought was very interesting there is that the parables were just that, right? They weren't real things. That he they were examples or. or, or um, mechanisms for you to understand deeper deeper theological truths as a result of that and i think that tells us a lot about the fact that jesus going back also to how he relates to and who he relates to he made it as simple as possible he wasn't trying to sound smart he wasn't trying to be up there with the intellectual elite he was trying to make it as accessible as possible for every single individual so yes yes he was yeah yeah no definitely thank Mm. you just right at the end of matthew 5 Mm. You, there's that little section that we all know so well where Jesus makes like the impossible, you know, request. Mm-hmm. He's like, love your enemies. Yeah. Do good to those who curse you, etc., etc. And, and in doing this, you'll you'll be merciful just as your heart, Father in heaven is merciful or, or perfect, depending yeah. on which, whether you go for Matthew or Luke on that. Yeah. Um, I think that's that's a really incredible, you know, words of Jesus spoken moment where he's like, you know, let's flip this script it's not just about loving your brothers, guys, you know. And again, parable, parable of the Good Samaritan, right? Mm-hmm. It's about loving those who you're not expected to love. That's what it's about, guys. Uh, and then one more thing from the Sermon on the Mount, which let's not go past it in too much of a hurry. <clears throat> Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else, it'll be added to you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow for t- tomorrow will worry about itself. Uh, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Mm. Jesus is like, just re- just relax, guys. Just rest in the kingdom. Mm. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry even about today, for, for that matter. Worry about seeking first God's kingdom, and He'll take care of the rest. Mm. Um, you know, just be like the flowers in the field. Just just chill and look at the sun. You know, not not literally, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, not I was like just thinking Isaac about Newton. that sermon. Yeah, <laughs> Isaac Newton staring into the sun. Yeah. No, not like that, guys. Not like that. 
Yeah. And uh, sorry, I'm taking over, but um, I thought maybe this should... It's mutiny. I'm taking over. Uh, We're getting away from the chronology already. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. we're done. We're done with the chronology now, I figured. Um, uh, Jesus tells uh, a couple of stories. Like right at the end of chapter 7, he tells a story about the wise man building his house on the rock. And then he goes into physical ministry, right? Mm. And I wonder if we can pull out some of the great statements Jesus made when he was ministering to people, right? Here's one. Um, If I am willing... Be clean to the leper, right? Who says to me, if you're willing, you know, you can make me whole. Yeah. And Jesus is like, I'm willing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, how good is that, yeah. by the way? Simple. I am willing. Like, why did you doubt? It's kind of like, mm. didn't you know? Yeah. <laughs> like Mary, Joseph. Yeah, they're just like for Mary and Joseph. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. Um, centurion about? servant. Yeah, I've not seen such great faith in all yeah. of Israel. Yeah, I was how just good. thinking the same thing. Yeah. Keep going. What else have we got? Uh, I've written a few down, but it's my turn to be quiet. <laughs> All right, go There's something to John t- chapter 11. I was um, say, Talitha Kumi, little girl arise. <laughs> Righto. Yeah. So we'll, in, that, in that scenario where he's raising the little girl to life, uh, I, I just thought, yeah, that's, it's a beautiful uh, picture of, of his... Um, Is that the one where he's like, why are you guys weeping? Is that that instance? I, I can't remember if, they, if, they, if <laughs> Was that's that Jairus's? That, uh, no, wait a second. No, he didn't even get to Jairus's, did he? That was when he was healing the woman with the blood first. Yeah, that was that was yeah, that's yeah, true. So we didn't even make it there. No, you just said it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So it must have been that one. Though. What are you guys crying about? Yeah, she's all right. <laughs> yep. Get up, give us something to eat. Practical. There you go. Yeah, just like think of like just the practical things that Jesus did. Perhaps the most, I guess, like you would say, the pinnacle of Jesus' practical work. So his ministry is in John chapter eleven, where he's literally <laughs> bringing someone yeah. from the from death to life. You yeah, know? and it's. I'm just going to read these things because for me, like when I read this this aspect of Jesus' ministry, it was I always think of it as this is the the inflection point of Jesus' ministry. It was it was the peak of his work, mm-hmm. but everything like basically like that was it was going downhill from there because like the, his enemies were like, okay, yeah. we need to stop this guy. He's, he's Can I just point far. out even his biblical commentary has calculus in it? <laughs> 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 Anyway, so we I think that particular expression though has bridged into into common expression now though. <laughs> so we For see him here, though it's just calculus. <laughs> <laughs> so so we see here also like a, a, a call to this incredible faith, right? So here's Martha because I'm, I'm thinking I'm putting myself in Martha's shoes. I cannot improve on this, like right? So Martha says, um, "I know he will rise again, the resurrection and the life." But Jesus challenges her, says. <laughs> I am the resurrection and the life. <laughs> the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by living in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, yep. wow. <laughs> like, yep. How do you respond Put to that? Put a finger like, on that. Like, just, like, yeah. like, Mary, like Martha was, was like, like her faith to me was like, wow, yeah. like that's faith. <laughs> yeah. But Jesus was like, no, I'm not satisfied with that. I want to call you into something higher. Yeah. And I like that f- aspect of Jesus. Uh, like he's trying to bring the best out of us. Like yeah. he's trying to call us to a higher ground. Yeah. And, and of course, like we see this incredible act of pure, pure miracle. And then, um, and, and I love what, what he says about, like, I know early on we, we talked about how Jesus had this incredible confidence in what he was, yeah. like he asked for. And who he was. And, yeah. And um, I'm just going to find that red letter statement. Um, I, hope, I hope it's, oh yes. Verse 41. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Can you imagine? Like, can you imagine like having that confidence? Like, yeah. I know you always hear me, God. 
but I'm just going to say this for their benefit. Yeah. Right? It says, but I say this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. It's like, wow. Damn. I want that. That kind of confidence is what we need. Yeah. Yeah. A um, couple of others uh, I thought were really cool. So when the paralytic who was uh, just chilling on his bed, mm. when Jesus healed him, his words to him were, uh, son, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven you. Mm. I mean, you know, I can't top yours. You know, I'm the resurrection and the life, of course. Yeah. But those are some pretty good words to yeah. hear, right? Yeah. You know, be happy mm-hmm. because you are forgiven. Mm. Like just let that sink in for a minute. It's transformative. All of the promises of God mm. are yes and amen. Mm. You know, Jesus said, your sins are forgiven you. Be happy. Don't worry. Mm. Be happy. <laughs> Another one that I was thinking of is when he asked, blind, I think it's blind Bartimaeus, do you want to be made well? Mm. Do you want to be healed? And uh, I mean, at first reading, I thought, Stupid question. Yeah. Like, you know, if, if you if you were blind, don't you think you would want to be made well? Or if you were paralyzed, don't you think you'd want to be made well? But I think there's two things here. One is this is Jesus modeling your human dignity and the, and the power of free will. Like even mm. he as God did not presume to make the man well without his permission. Yeah. And the other thing that's on top of that, as I, I've heard or in a, heard in a book, um, i trying to remember the name of the author and it's escaping me. But anyway, um, he talks about how we become attached to our, to our maladies, attached to what causes us suffering, mm. sometimes to the degree that we don't want to let it go. Wow. Even if we don't realize that, right? Even if it's subconscious. And uh, he was talking about how if we are if we are wounded in some way and he gave a bunch of examples but you know that could be um you know depression or sickness or whatever but we become attached with that to the point where it becomes a part of who we are and mm-hmm. so in order for Jesus to heal us we need to be willing to change not just to be healed but to become somebody different mm-hmm. and a lot of people aren't ready for that yet wow and I, that really spoke to me when i when i heard that and so just triggered the thought you know thinking about him asking do you want to be made well because yeah. it's, a, it's a big choice yeah yeah because wow. sometimes you don't yeah or a lot of people don't i should say yeah um we've also got the interaction in in john chapter three and four where you've got nicodemus and then the woman at the well mm-hmm. and to nicodemus jesus says you need to be born again mm-hmm. um which was a bit of a challenge to nicodemus but it, it is also a promise mm. That is that we can be born again, right? And that if we are willing to to, to become a do-over, um, the kingdom of heaven is again ours, right? That's the mm-hmm. promise, you know. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. And then you've got in John chapter 4, you've got this woman that he meets at the well who's like, why are you even talking to me, right? Like, this is not yeah. right. Like, mm-hmm. culturally, socially, this is not okay. Mm-hmm. And Jesus says to her, I'm the, I'm the Messiah, <laughs> you know, I can do what I want, <laughs> right? And, and the woman um, is just taken back by what's going on in front of her. And, and Jesus' words to her, uh, I can give you water that will satisfy, right? I can bring satisfaction into your life. How, how good is that? How beautiful is that? You can be born again. You can be satisfied, John people, 3, 4. People would pay like millions of dollars for that. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's here. It's in yeah. the word, guys. That's right. Hold up faith lamp. That's all it takes. And something just sprung to mind when you were saying that is when Jesus walks on water 
And uh, you know, he he. I'm, I'm just trying to remember the. I'm just trying to remember the exact language. Do you remember where that is? I was just trying to find it. Mm. Um, I'll find it for you, but no. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, the, it may be irrelevant by the time you get there. But the, the point that I was uh, remembering is when it, when they uh, ask you know what. Um, Trying to remember the exact scenario, but basically, when they ask him, you know, who are you? Like, or, or you know, and he goes to comfort them, and he says, "I am he." He is a an addition from the translators. It doesn't actually say the Greek doesn't actually say "I am he." It says "I am" in the declarative sense, like "I am" as in the great "I am." Mm-hmm. And so Jesus is actually declaring his messiahship in order to bring them comfort amongst the storm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a pretty powerful statement as well which which time are you is that the second time or the first time you're referring to that because the oh hang on he, he comes walking to them on the water when the storm this is the on. first time yeah not not yeah. the not the post-resurrection no 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 yeah no, this no, is no. the yeah okay yeah, yeah. yeah for so i was looking for the wrong passage altogether actually i was looking for the time where <laughs> where they were all in the boat together and he's asleep no no not that one yeah, that yeah. One. yeah yeah but that's a cool one as well because jesus is is having a nap yeah. in the middle of a storm mm. um and the disciples are like don't you don't care? you care that we're gonna uh, die yeah. mark chapter four so what is it Mark chapter four. Mark chapter four. The one he was talking oh, about? The oh, this one. one. Yeah, okay, cool. So, and, and Jesus' response to, to that is, um, well, did, did he first calm the winds and the storm or did he say, why have you got such little faith? I think he first calmed the wind. Okay. Either, either way, let's, let's not get too caught up on it. Um, either way, Jesus says, peace, be still. And everything changes in that moment. But just take a take a minute to think about that. If that if that command can can calm the winds that are blowing this this boat around on the Sea of Galilee, is it not also true that those winds can calm our hearts? Yeah. That we can experience peace be still in our own lives. Mm. I think that's I think that's possible. I think that's Definitely. you know a promise that that we can hang on to as well. It's Mark chapter six, found it. So, Which one? Uh, the one that I was referring to. Okay. So um, I'll just read verse 48. And then he saw them st- uh, straining, rowing, for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking by the sea, uh, sorry, walking on the sea, and would have passed them by. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw, uh, for they all saw him and were troubled. But immediately he talked with them and said to them, Be of good cheer, it is I. And that phrase, it is I, is I am in, mm. in the Greek. Um, do not be afraid. Then he went up to the boat with them, and the and the wind ceased, and they were and they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure, and marvelled, for they had not understood about the loaves because their hearts were hardened. So obviously this is after the loaves and fishes event. But uh, yeah, I just find it interesting that he's trying to bring them comfort and give them confidence, and he gives himself the the Old Testament title of of, of God just to yeah make that statement, which is amazing. Um, there is one more interaction that I was heading towards. And by the way, just that that shows us that the who we believe God is brings us comfort. Sorry. Do you want to part D in a minute, or yeah. you're right? <laughs> I, I, I feel like we're getting chapters here. My brain just keeps ticking over. Sorry, off you go. It's all right. No, it's fine. I'm just giving you a minute. Yeah, appreciate that. Peace. Be still. <laughs> um, in John chapter eight. Uh, probably one of my favorite interactions of Jesus uh, is where he he meets the woman who's been dragged out, caught in adultery, 
dragged out as an example and they're trying to get Jesus caught up as well as trying to get her stoned. Mm. And Jesus' response to this woman is just remarkable, man. He mm. just, he, first of all, he says nothing. Mm. And then he, he just says like, you know, whoever among you is, is uh, what was it? Whoever among you is uh, innocent, throw the first stone. Um, they all run off uh, seeing their guilt. And Jesus says to the woman, you know, where are your accusers? Where, where do they go? Mm. You know, I don't condemn you either. And I just think that is, mm. is one of probably the most reassuring pieces of scripture that I can reflect on is that, you know, it doesn't really matter what I've done, you know, whether it's akin to what the woman was caught doing or whether it's, you know, something different altogether. Mm. Jesus' Jesus' word to us, the precious words that Jesus spoken in that moment are, I don't condemn you. Go, sin no more. Mm. You know, be free from that moment. Be free from that sin. I like the, the, the balance in that, in that whole saga. Mm. Like, I think too often we emphasize one more than the other, you know, no matter which one people lean to. Mm. But it was like, it's this amazing balance between Jesus showing this overwhelming compassion overwhelming sense of um forgiveness but at the same time also showing that he loves this child of god so much that he's willing to i guess provide some counsel Hmm. uh, provide some counsel and even some even bit of warning some might even call it even maybe a bit hint of rebuke in there but it's done in such a loving manner Hmm. that you can't mistake in it other than something that's born out of love. Yeah. So, and I think I just love that. I wish, I wish we could like we as mere mortals can, can uh, encapsulate that that yeah. character. Can yeah. Can I just point out like what you're saying is that he presented the gospel in its fullness. Mm. Mm. Um, because the gospel isn't about one or the other. Mm. The gospel is about all of that. God, God wants us to be whole, and that wholeness comes from us being forgiven from our sin but also brought into freedom, mm. not, not left in a state whereby we're going to continue to sin. The gospel is about freeing us from sin. Mm. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. If, if we leave it at the first part, mm. that's not the gospel. And if we only present the second part, that's not the gospel. It's only when those two ingredients are brought together that the gospel is really being presented. Mm. Yeah, thanks, Ori. Where is the verse? I was sure I knew where it was, but Which it evades verse? me, uh, that says... He that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Where is that? It's John, right? Or am I going crazy? It, it, if you asked me, I would have said John. I don't know where, though. I can't think of the context around it, though. Maybe well, I think Aura is going to find it because he's got a device. So. <laughs> All right, well, while, while that happens, I just wanted to mention that some of the... We're going back to the storm again? No, we're out of the storm. <laughs> we're done. We're done, done, done. The storm has been calmed. Uh, no, I was actually thinking about Jesus... Uh, like his coaching ministry, you could say, like his the inner circle, the people that he dealt with. John chapter six thirty seven. Oh, chapter out. That's why I couldn't find it. Thank you. There you go. Yeah, all the Father gives me. My turn to cut in this time. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> all the Father gives me. Uh, wow. I'm, let me let me focus on this verse. I'm trying to read the context. Well, I'm trying to read the verse. What an idiot! <laughs> all that all that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. Yeah, I love that promise. Like, if you could just have just that one promise alone, that's enough. You know, heaven, heaven is yours. Hmm. Anyway, go on, good sir. 
I was <clears throat> I was thinking about you know, how Jesus related to those that he was actually coaching into ministry. Um, I've gone I've gone away from it now, but I was reading where the seventy was sent out before, and he was giving them the the talk about what to expect when they go out and how they should behave and respond. And now I've come to uh, John chapter 14 and from chapter 14 onwards is like a bit of a tipping point in the gospel of John from there on he's really dealing with those that are closest to him he's not dealing this isn't public ministry now he's not out there and preaching on the on the hill so to speak he's he's really dealing with the the people that were his disciples and uh, he gives them all of this encouragement and such practical advice as he goes through um, and just teaching like the higher I guess you could say the higher elements of his his teachings his theology about what's going on um and it sort of comes to this place where it, it shifts uh, in chapter 17 now i just want to, like sort of bringing these ends together here but in chapter 17 where jesus prays to god and that gives us this window into how jesus himself sees his relationship to his disciples mm-hmm. and it talks about um just where am i going to pick up maybe verse 11 uh, oh no, not verse eleven. Kind of all important, but yeah, basically from verse six, maybe. I, I have manifested your name to the uh, to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they and they have kept your word. Now they have known all the things which you have given me are from you. For I have given them the words which you have given me. And he sort of goes and talks about what God has given him and his relationship to them. And eventually, it comes down. Uh, verse 20, I do not pray for these alone, but also for all who will believe in me through their word. That includes us, right? That all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And I, I just think that that is like this great like summary where he's like pulling all these ends together. These people that are my closest followers, the ones that are my friends, my disciples, I want to be one with them, like I'm one with you, but ultimately everyone who they then share this message with, I want that same experience. Mm. So it's interesting to look at it from Jesus' perspective. He sees this flow-on effect of his ministry to them and their ministry to the nations in the future. He's calling them together as a family. Yeah. And speaking of calling them together, it's like when he was talking about the sheep and the shepherd business and and he said, you know, whoever hears my voice... Mm. She know my voice. Yes, that's yep. what I was looking for. Yeah, um, yeah, it's kind of that that bringing together that you were mm. talking about there. Yeah, mm. that's really cool. I was actually reading just before as well about the sending out of the twelve. Yep. So we rewind. Yeah, but um, the chronology's gone already. Oh yeah, it? we yeah. left that up behind ages ago. Yeah. Um, but I just thought this was really worth sharing. So Jesus says in Matthew chapter ten, verse forty-one and forty-two. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. But whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. Um, so you can see the, what Jesus is building to there. You know, the things that you consider to be, to be good deeds or, you know, worthy of praise. He's like, I mean, you might get a little bit of praise mm. from the people. But that's really nothing. Yeah. Um, what really matters is when you give a little, a cup of cold water to one of the, one of the, the least of these, you know, one of the children yeah. amongst us, someone that's in in a someone place that of cannot desperate need. pay you back, right? Yeah. Someone that that you can't 
that can't pay their own way and they need that grace and mercy. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's what it means to walk the Jesus walk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really like that about Jesus. He he was always had it he always had one eye out for somebody who needed something. You know, it didn't matter who, it didn't matter what. He was just like, if you have a need that's not the obvious need that everyone's trying to address, you're my man. Yeah. That's what I'm looking for. Mm. Which part of scripture of the gospel is that when Jesus says, um, whoever does to the least of this, they've done it to me. And like it's referring to to people who are like, they just don't even, didn't even know that they were doing these things. They were just so oblivious. Yeah. It's the sheep and the goats. (laughs) Yeah. 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 That's the parable. That's the parable. Yeah. 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 They were just so oblivious that they were like serving God that it just, it's just part of your character that they were like, when did we do these things to you? Yeah. And they were like, yeah. Jesus was like, no, you you did it to me because you did it to the least of these. You know, we were having this conversation just recently in the, the think tank, in the, the messenger group that we have. And people were saying how it's so interesting that specifically throughout COVID was the context of the conversation. But they feel as if they were they have become closer like to the people that they work with, even if they're not necessarily Christians, because they share a worldview and how they relate to other people more so than the people that they share a church with. Mm. And I think at, on the surface level, that sounds like, what? Like, hey, how does that make sense? Because often we say things like, you know, well, how can you truly be on the same page as someone if you don't believe the same thing or believe in the same God? But I think what that highlights is exactly what you're talking about. The fact that there are some people that even if they don't understand God fully, they hear the promptings of the Holy Spirit loudly and they respond to others in a way that is... Uh, totally godly, but they may not understand it in that light. They may not mm. see it that way. And so, of course, if if they are living that way and we are living that way in the same way, but we are doing it with a, a conscious knowledge of the Holy Spirit's a- activity in our life, well, of course, we're going to align well with them. Mm. You know, And I think that's a challenging thought for some conservative Christians because that would be to, you know, that would feel very uncomfortable, I would imagine. But I think it's very accurate when you look at the, one, the experience, but two, the scripture itself. Mm. Mm. I sometimes envy those people who, they don't have that context. They can just, they're just simply doing it because they know it's right. You know, like, you know, they're not, it's not, they're not almost, I hate to even use the word like contaminated, but they're not like, there's no risk of, of some kind of ulterior motive, like whether it's going to heaven or avoiding hell or um, whatever that may be. It's just Um, because it's right. It's just like, because it's right. It's just a a good thing to do. Like it's like, that's that's Yeah, but I think you're one of those. I mean, I'm not saying you're completely uncontaminated or anything, Mm -hmm. but... I see you doing that. Yeah, let's that. get it straight. You are contaminated. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah just told that to the world. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, what I mean is I've seen you do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think you need to <laughs> froth over other people doing it because you're there, man. You're there. Sorry. Thank I know you. that's awkward <laughs> for you taking a bit of praise there, but it's true. Yeah. I don't know whether you guys want to start heading toward the end of Jesus' ministry. I, I think we need to. We've already been going an hour. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay. Well, this was always going to be ambitious, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, but that's fine. Uh, just before we get ambitious to... Ambitious actually usually ends up being a good thing. Yeah. Just before we get to the end, I just wanted to point out one more thing from earlier on in the piece, and that is some really common words of Jesus. Um, he says, Come to me, all you who, are, who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart. You'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
um, those are some words that I think we can hang on to, right? You know, if you're going through a difficult situation, um, that's what you need. You mm. need somebody to, to yoke up with, somebody to, to share that burden with mm. who's pretty damn strong mm. and can bear all of that weight, right? Mm. When Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light for you, what he means by that is he's going to take up the bulk of the, the load, you know, and, and honestly, if we're honest with ourselves, he's already born it all at Calvary. So really what he's trying to say is it's it's done, guys. You know, you don't need to worry at all. Um, I just think that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Come to me, he says. Uh, learn from me because I'm gentle. I mean, I wish we had time for that as well. But anyway, yeah, gentle and that- lowly in heart is a phrase. Yeah. Oh, there's one more. Can I go one more? Please. Sure. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll follow you. Uh, oh, this one I was looking at earlier thinking, yeah, we've got to come back to that. Um, this comes up like two or three times in Jesus' ministry, um, the, the very same phrase. Uh, the first one I think is in Ma- uh, Matthew chapter 9. Um, he says, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Mm. Yeah, that's a phrase Jesus says quite a few times, I mm. think every time to the Pharisees. Um, and then he, in this particular context, he says, I didn't come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot in that. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you know? Even just the fact that he said, go and learn what this means to a Pharisee is <laughs> an absolute affront. Yeah. It really is. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty epic. Yeah. So, I mean, go and learn what it means, guys. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have time right now. Yeah. So, um, are you done it or am I cutting you off again? No, go. <laughs> if you don't, I, you know what's going to happen. So, I do. do it. I do. So... I was looking at Gethsemane and Jesus' prayer there. And just from verse 38, it says, um, and then he says to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. Obviously speaking to, to the disciples. Uh, verse 39, uh, oh, my father, if, if it is... If it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And then skip down, like continuing on, he continues to pray. Uh, verse 42, oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. So this, I just find this passage so telling, not just about who Jesus is and what his character is like, but also in the bigger picture of how God relates to God the other members of the Godhead even. Because Mm. this is quite legitimately, this is a prayer that Jesus prayed that didn't get answered. Mm. And if Jesus can pray a prayer that doesn't get answered, I don't feel nearly so bad. I feel like I'm in good company if if I find myself in those shoes, right? Mm. And But even amongst that, he's praying that if there's any other way, anything else, I'll take it because this is this is crushing me, hmm. and uh, you know there is that sense we we should be able to feel that. I mean, obviously, you know there's a, there's only a very small window through which we can look at this experience, but it is amazing when you think about that what he was going through, and it was so bad that even knowing what he did, we've looked at quite a lot of things that he said, so we have a very good idea that he has a very high and clear idea of his own messiahship and what that entails mm-hmm. even with all of that knowledge he gets here to the end he goes if there's any way any way i'm tapping out yeah, he goes god your business is hard yeah 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 <laughs> and god obviously gives him an answer because honestly no. that's what he saw when he was 12 years old in the temple when he was like didn't you know i'd yeah. be about my father's business yeah it was this moment yeah and now he's there he's like oh yeah. when i was 12 this looked so possible yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I like how vulnerable like Jesus is there. Like yeah. I think I think that sometimes like when we think of like like strong men, mm. you know, like we we like to not 
paint that picture. Like we want to say, oh no, don't show that side of you. Meekness you know? is weakness. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> and it's so wrong. Yeah. It's so, so wrong. Like, yeah, this is the God of the universe here, guys. Like yeah. God of the universe, he's all powerful, all knowing. Mm-hmm. Like nothing is like hard for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, this, he was willing to say, this is hard for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like this is, it just blows my mind. Yeah, and I, and to me that just makes me love Jesus more. Yeah, you know, because yeah. you know that's that's the kind of father that we should strive to be and and want. Mm. Yeah, and can, can I just take it to another level? Because mm-hmm. what you guys have said is beautiful, but in its context, it's incredible, mm-hmm. right? Because Jesus has literally just been uh, having a feast with his best friends. He said to one of them, "You're going to betray me." And he said to another one of them, you, you're going to deny me three times before the cock crows, mm. right? So he knows he has been completely abandoned by his closest friends on earth. Mm. And then he goes into the garden and he experiences that, yep. that struggle that you guys were just describing, knowing full well that those are the blokes that he's doing it for, mm. right? Isn't that remarkable? Yeah. Jesus, he's in that moment of struggle, Mm. not sure whether he can bear the load that's on his shoulders and he knows this load is for Peter, Mm. that idiot, (laughs) Peter, (laughs) who can't keep his mouth shut, you know? And Judas, who just went, yeah. Yeah, who all along, it's all been about self for Judas, right? Mm. And Jesus is like, just with the remotest possibility that they could be redeemed, Mm. I'm willing to go through with it, God, even though I don't want to. Mm. I mean, man. I mean, that's me, right? I'm Judas. I'm Peter. Mm. I'm the one who he's struggling with. Do I don't? Mm. But he's not, is he? That's the remarkable thing about it. He's not no. struggling about that. He's saying, it like, if there's another way, I want to take the other way. Not, I'm not doing this, yeah. but can I do it some other way? Yeah. Like, can, we, can we do a finger prick? Or like, you know, like... <laughs> Yeah, and it's quite literally because he's not sure whether he can handle it. Yeah. Right? He's like, and and I'm going to be a little bit vulnerable here. I think part of the reason why Jesus is having this struggle is because he's not sure if he if he isn't able to handle like he's suspecting he won't be able to, he's not sure whether the mission will succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably a little bit of an edgy piece of theology, but that's what I believe is going on in the garden here. Mm-hmm. That Jesus is like, if I fail this mission, that's it for humanity. And I just can't risk that possibility. And so that's why he's so close to being like, I feel like I'm going to fail here. I feel this weight. It feels like it's going to crush me and I'm never going to be able to rise again. Mm-hmm. And without a risen savior, we have mm-hmm. a dead gospel, right? Yeah. So I think, honestly, I think Jesus is struggling here with, you know, is is it possible that the mission can succeed? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's... And, and he chooses to be like, you know what? Whatever the consequences of that are, you know, whatever the consequences of the mission failing and the Godhead being permanently broken up, which I've got my theories on, mm. um, Jesus is willing to go through with it. Yeah. Oh, what a risk. Enormous. Incredible. Yeah. And just saying, I know there are some people that go, oh, you know, it, it's not really a risk. It might be a perceived risk, but, you know, God is God and all the rest of it. No, no, I think that the only way that any of this makes sense if there is true and legitimate risk going on, that mm. if, you know, Jesus had have failed, reality itself would 
evaporate. Yeah. Like, you know, mm. we'd cr- fall to pieces. However, I don't know what it would have looked like, but there would have been... Well, he's the one that holds everything together. That's what exactly. Colossians says. Yeah. And I think... Consist, so, uh, yeah. yeah. And I think we are we're constructing a picture that only has a few pieces. So, yeah. you know, you're entitled to believe something different than that, right? Yeah, yeah. That's fine. Hmm. But, um, but basically, we're just wrapping, we some context around, <laughs> yeah, wrapping some context around what we're at least talking about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I, th- I think that's really true. And, and, and then just fast forward. So, he, he yeah. does decide to go through with it. And then he's in that, you know, the trial period there where they're like trying to figure out, you know, what are we going to do with this guy? Yeah. And the cock does crow mm. the third time and he looks and he sees Peter. Mm. And he's just been through, literally been through hell for this guy. Mm. And all that Peter sees is love in his eyes, right? Mm. And he runs and he runs. And, and I believe the destination that Peter found eventually in the blackness was Gethsemane and he sat and he kneeled and he prayed in the same spot Jesus prayed thereabouts and he experienced the gospel in his heart mm. because Jesus didn't give up on him. Mm. Even though he had given up on Jesus, yeah. Jesus didn't give up on him. I think that's just amazing. And then when he comes back, resurrected Christ comes back, he's like, Peter, mm. you know, look after my sheep for me. Mm. You know? Yeah. What love? Upon reflection, like especially like in light of what you've just said, just looking at the subsequent scenes of those final moments of Jesus' ministry, like, yeah, get, get an impression that in each kind of, like, scene of, of, that, of that kind of pointing end of his ministry, it looks like Jesus was always trying to find a way to kind of reach out to that person. Yeah. Whether it's, like, the people who were, tr- like, putting him on trial, whether it was Pontius Pilate, whether it was Peter, mm. whether it was the, this, when he was literally on the cross and there were the, the, the two, you know, criminals yeah. that were flanked against him. He was trying to reach both of them. <laughs> and yeah. it was like it, it was like he wasn't, like... He was still like other other centered, yeah, like yeah. you know, and that just blows my mind. Yeah, you know? uh, and just to bring this all together, that's God's business, yeah. isn't it? That's what God. That's what Jesus came to show us, pure and simple. He came to show us who God was and what He was all about, and mm. and that what you just described, that's what He was all about. Yeah, all about us, all about others. And the crescendo of that was on the cross, right? Where His last words, yeah. at least before Thank the you. resurrection. Thank you. Were yeah, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Oh, yeah. Is that all you were going to say? Well, because there's more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just looking okay. down to find my place. Um, but yeah, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So he's going through, like, continuing. I guess you could say the experience from Gethsemane, what you, what you were discussing before, and uh, in finally, you know, where he says it is finished, right? Yeah. And the, it is finished. That that's that's a big full stop. Right? But but before that, okay. there was one other thing he said. I think it's only recorded in John's Gospel, which is probably why yep. you're not seeing it right yeah, now. Yeah, well, I'm look. I'm reading in Matthew at the moment. Yeah. Which part are you talking about? Well, it was when he said, oh, "Father, forgive them, oh. for they know not what they do." Oh, yes. Yep. To me, that is just breaks my heart every time. You know, yep. like Jesus is he's on the cross, he's struggling, and all he can think about is, "Please forgive them." Yeah. You know, these people that guy that with have the put hammer. me here. Yeah. yeah. You know, forgive them because they don't understand you, mm. right? It's, it almost implies if they did, I wouldn't be here. Yeah. That's the kind of faith Jesus had. Mm. Just incredible. Mm. Sorry, I didn't mean to detract from what you were saying. I was just hoping you were going there. No, sorry. So, I, it I is finished. Go back to it is finished now. Yeah, that's right. Well, it, it is finished. Uh, basically, I was just looking at that from the perspective mm. of it is finished 
everything is finished, right? Everything is fulfilled. And you were pointing out before about how the Old Testament is pointing towards all of these things that would come together in the Messiah's ministry. And it is finished, puts puts a full stop, puts that, that period at the end of the, at the, end yep. of the sentence that this is, this is done. Yep. This is the battle is over. battle's over and victory is here. And with that, and he obviously dies, and then is resurrected, and that's the that's the, the victory march, you know, afterwards, which is just <laughs> such a hell of an ending to a story. I mean, it's it's enormous, it's huge. Even some of the words after directly after his resurrection are pretty funny as well. Like, mm. you know, what was it? Was it the first person that he saw? Was it Mary? Mary? Yeah. And what did he say to her again? Was Don't it touch like, me? oh yeah, that was there was that. Yeah. Was it oh, well, when was was it Mary or was it somebody else that he he said why why are you looking there or something was that no, 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 that's at the ascension uh, oh. when the angel no, no, says no, no, no. why do you stand looking up into heaven no no no, 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 no. no you're right though that's, oh, so what did you say yeah it, uh, that it was, was the angel it was the angel that was like why like guarding the, the tomb, tomb. yeah oh, yeah. yeah yeah sorry my bad that's not red letters that's forbidden tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Just, just before we wrap, uh, yep. one more passage, just with what we were just saying, right? The culmination of God's mission of, of the, the business that Jesus came to do, mm-hmm. that business being to, to proclaim who God was clear, really clearly to the world, how he would respond in every different situation that Jesus went through. And then Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. I mean, mm-hmm. get the Ten Commandments yeah. just... They just fade in the distance at this point. That is yeah. such a remarkable... Anyway, uh, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. I mean, I, I think what Jesus is trying to say here, you know, and I'm certainly not trying to improve on his words, but I'm just... I just what I hear in Jesus' words here is there is no greater testimony that you can give to the world than to be like me. Yeah. Because that... Is a miracle. Yeah. I mean, I know from my perspective, if I'm anything like Jesus, yep. that's a miracle, mm. right? Mm. This broken heart, mm. doing that, that's miraculous. Mm. And so Jesus says like, this is now, this is now what you have to focus on. I've been here. I've shown you who God is. Now reflect that. Be, be the, the mirror that you were created to be, uh, to image God. Blows my mind. Well, I guess the only the only logical place for us to finish is the his last words, right? As in before he ascended, and the obviously we label it, we call it the Great Commission. But in the end of Matthew, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even till the end of the age. Amen. And that is, you know, that is that uh, rallying call that he drops for his followers, you know, right down to right down to today. And I just always, especially when I was younger, I used to go read that a lot because I, I just felt like that gave me direction in my life. And I think that's a that's a good way to look at it. Amen. I mean, that was pretty cool, and that was only a very small portion of the red letters. Yeah. So yeah. what a cool exercise when you got some time on Sabbath afternoon, just go through and map it out. The words of Jesus spoken. Mm. You know, just hold up that little lamp to the, those words and you'll just feel the presence of Jesus near you. Mm. Um, yeah, and I'm certainly going to be thinking about these words when I sing that song next. Yeah. And I think that's, that's great when we do unpack the meaning of the songs. It makes them, you know, portable theology. That's it. 
All right. Well, with that, we'll leave that there. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend. Thank you for joining us and uh, writing out the episode along with us. If you have any ideas for uh, future topics you'd like to hear us cover, uh, please let us know. Tell us on Instagram or Facebook, wherever you find us. And we look forward to catching you guys next week. Can I ask why you've got a random R in the corner? <laughs> yes, I was thinking about the word red letters and I was just doodling. <laughs> Righto. And that's the end of another episode. Just before I head off, I want to encourage you to go over to our page on Facebook and also our account on Instagram and follow us there because that is where we interact with our listeners and we would love for you to enter in and join the conversation. Also, while you're signing up, I would also recommend signing up to our mailing list on our website, oztabletalk.com.au. If you do that, you will receive our exclusive content because occasionally we do release exclusives and they only go out to our mailing list so I would strongly recommend you go and sign up for that if you have a few more minutes to be one of the most amazing listeners on the planet you can go over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review because reviews help us to grow and they help other people to find us so if you want to help us reach those goals please jump in and give us a review the final message that I'd like to leave you with is to let you know about our patreon account now Patreon is a way for creators to get paid for creating and ultimately what we do does cost money to get us hosted and have the services that we need to run the podcast and so if you'd like to help us do that jump over onto patreon.com slash oztabletalk and you can you can give anything from even a dollar a month upwards but at different levels there are different benefits different rewards that we want to give you just to say thank you for being an amazing supporter of ours if you can't afford that we would just gratefully accept your prayers because that is what our ministry runs on. And so with that, I will leave you to your day and thank you so much for listening to this episode. We look forward to seeing you guys next week.